0: I'm David with Transparency Fitness in the day where Dr. Nick Truby I want to make sure I put that doctor in there ahead of, ahead of the rest of the name. And uh, there's like a, a list of things to talk about today. I'm um, pumped, but yeah. I'm going to kind of let you introduce yourself. You're a fellow podcaster as well. So, he's probably going to be over here, just been like, mm hmm, this amateur over here. I've been doing this for years. Uh, But yeah, I mean, tell everybody a little bit about yourself, and, uh, you know, we'll just dive in. Like, a lot to talk about.
1: I love it. Yeah. No, I first appreciate you having me on. Um, It's always good to to team up with another another podcaster. But um, yeah, so uh, just a real brief history on me. Um, It's been almost, shoot, I'm thinking 2015. So, seven years ago, I uh, got my PhD in exercise physiology. Um, did a lot of my research in cardiovascular physiology with firefighters, police officers, military stuff like that. So, a lot of cool stuff um, diving into that realm because obviously you do have to have some level of fitness to do you those know, positions, right? They, they prefer you to. You'd have, hope, yes. <laughs> but there's still a lot of stuff that uh, you know. You, it's hard to describe when you think about the number one you know killer in a lot of those positions are you know heart disease and, and heart failure, heart attack. Um, hard to define But fitness is always an issue and What are part some of that. like The top
0: factors That, that, that cause that Right So is, is it bad yeah. health Is it not enough fitness Is it just Just lack of just moving You know, right. I, I feel like some people Just get to a point in their life Where they They're just They just stop moving
1: Yeah Yeah And it's it's tough You know There's so many Wild things Especially with firefighters You've got like You're always exposed To hazardous materials
0: So that actually plays It's
1: part I mean it's part of it okay. um, Circadian rhythm Is always a huge thing I don't know if you've dove much into that reading I have not um, which is kind of like the alignment of all of the cells in your body and how they like to function. Sleep is a big one. Okay. When you eat is a big one. When you exercise is a big one, and when you're getting daylight. And if you're a firefighter and you're working twenty four on, forty eight right. off, you you do just it like, when it fits. Yeah. So it's like you you're... force you, that puzzle piece in. Yeah.
0: If that's your forty five minutes and that <laughs> at one o'clock in, but you're you're committed. <laughs> yeah. You know.
1: So that's in my opinion, that's probably the biggest thing that is trending most of the cardiovascular issues um how do you figure all that stuff
0: out though I mean, does it does it just take trial and error it's, and seeing how your body reacts
1: it or? does everybody's a little bit different but we're all humans and we all have you know the 24-hour day cycle and and our bodies like to, to view sunlight when we wake up they like to view it again before we go to bed but in certain doses of certain types of wavelengths and stuff like that so it's it's a kind of a it, the, the circadian code if you're interested at all, and anybody listening, if they want to learn more about circadian rhythms, great book to, to go out and read. It's called the circadian code. The circadian code, written by one of the best.
0: See, I want to be like Joe Rogan. I want to be like, hey, Keenan, uh, yeah. order that off of get Amazon. Get it, get it. <laughs> go and order it. Hey, Let's go. sixteen bucks, get it. Because got, you know? I got money. Let's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you name it, we're ordering it. We'll great. talk about it in a future podcast.
1: Yeah, dude, it's probably one of my favorite books. Okay. Um, so I would definitely, uh, if you're interested in like zero cost ways of, hey, can I just feel better in general? basically spending no money. I'm
0: always open to, to different, different thought patterns or different way to look at it or someone coming up with some kind of, Oh, I just never thought. Okay. Let's try it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm always open, open to that. Um, sleep, sleep is, is important. It's really important. I can go on very little sleep for a long time and feel like I can function pretty well in that maybe due to some of my military experience. True. Uh, and that's more of just, I think my brain overriding my body saying, sorry, we got (laughs) to do this right now. So (laughs) let's just stay focused. We'll get some sleep. Um, but, um but yes, uh, six to eight hours. I and I feel like I'm pretty pretty well energized if I can get that at night. But sometimes toss and turn. Yeah. So I learned that I think I sleep a little bit better if I go to bed around nine thirty, ten o'clock, if mm-hmm. I can get there, versus like a midnight, one o'clock. For and sure. And I think it's because maybe I tend to be in bed uh, earlier, but go to bed later. So like I may get in bed at eleven, but pass out at noon or midnight or one. If I get in bed at nine thirty, at ten, I'm just. Gone. Okay. Yeah. Because like, that means I'm tired and I'm yeah. just like ready to go.
1: You've got like your third win and you're <laughs> yeah. up till midnight or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, with like the firefighters, it's like, that's a big one. And then, you know, you're just sometimes if the culture of the area doesn't emphasize, you know, nutrition and exercise, it's easy to get, you know, into a rhythm where you're just not moving. Yeah. You know, because some firehouses are super busy to where you're just on your feet 24 seven. Other ones, you get like two or three calls. They're not doing much. It's just so it's but. Over fifty percent of deaths in firefighters is heart attack. Right, really? That's the number one killer in firefighters is heart attack. Now, it's not getting like burned in a building or how you know something collapsing on do them. Do you it's, think
0: stress plays a huge
1: part? In I would, I would think
0: so. Because I feel like there are parts of their job, or at least if it's even a shorten, like they're fighting a fire. You're there has to be stress there when you're, especially if it's life threatening. But you're still got to do your job, right? Yeah, you do, you do. So and and, and mean, most
1: of them will like, well, they'll tell you it's like that. Just it's not really that stressful for them anymore.
0: So do you believe that that it isn't though, like that doesn't like subconsciously affect them and stress them, and that could play a part, or that they really have learned, like over time they've done it so many times that they really have learned how to deal with it? Right.
1: Yeah. And it's it could be like you know those types of things, even though consciously they're not thinking it's very stressful, but you're still really increasing your sympathetic drive to her heart rate and right. cardiac right. So output that's and everything's high. Yeah. Even
0: though they don't feel it, is their body saying, well, according to I, I guess you know, like you said, heart rate and things like that. Yeah. Your body does look like it's being it's stressed right, right now, even though mentally. So again, does that go back to kind of what I was saying the military? Your mind can override your body because it needs to. Oh, implement. totally,
1: hundred percent. I, w- I would agree with that, but I don't know much on like the the psychological end of that. Right. You know, that's kind of out of so, my sphere. But still, I, I think it's, it's
0: just yeah, I was just it's, it's an interesting thought.
1: Oh, for sure, absolutely. Um,
0: so, so, kind of, what do you bring to to those? you know, those two sectors, those part departments and stuff that, that kind of can help them in, in making better decisions and, and maybe even just realizing about that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, no, it's, that's a great question, and I haven't really been in that area for a while, but when I was really active in that, I was trying to create some kind of a screening tool that could give you objective measures of, like, this is where your risk level is beyond that of just, like, what's your blood pressure, what's your cholesterol level, how old are you, right. just the traditional stuff that, like, doesn't really give you much information, so I was developing a tool that assessed um, the stiffness of your arteries. And I would measure basically the stiffness of your aorta. So that right when your blood is ejected from your left ventricle and comes out to your body, that main artery. Right. I was measuring the stiffness of that in live people, which is pretty cool. And they were firefighters. <laughs> and you get an actual objective number measure. How do you do that? Of There's a, <laughs> there's a little tool and it, it kind of used like, it was called tonometry and it was like a little... Um, pin that basically assessed when the blood is ejected from your ventricle, your left ventricle, and goes into the aorta. Your aorta expands, right, and then sends a wave down the aorta. Like if you're, me and you're holding a jump rope, okay. and you hold it tight, and I shake it, and that wave comes to yeah. you, and it can come back, right? Same thing happens in your aorta. It goes through.
0: It's more of a sports stadium. but okay, Right, you know, exactly. The you know? wave, <laughs> the ultimate wave. Yes, <laughs> very similar if you just right. send okay. the wave back.
1: Right. Yeah, you know? You know, go down to where, you know, it bifurcates at your leg and bounces back up. And the faster that way it travels, the stiffer your arteries are, right? If the, me and you hold, pull that jump rope minute, super so tight. So
0: you want it to take a longer time. You want, to right?
1: take, you want it to take a certain amount of time. Longer is better. It means it's more compliant. It's stretchable. It's healthier, right? And the research I was looking at was basically saying, like, if you exercise and you have an X number of fitness, right? It was like in a number of your aerobic fitness that you were essentially had the arteries of a decade younger person. Really? Which is pretty sweet. So
0: I'm guessing you would find people that smoked, like just in general. There were.
1: I, I excluded them from my study because that's like a, just right. an indicator for like, oh. Well, I'm yeah. just guessing
0: that they, they would take even longer. Like their arteries would be even more beat up if they had been smoking for a long time. They would, and it would be very much Theory, stiffer. Right? It would
1: be much stiffer. Smoking is right. was, was one of the biggest indicators for stiff arteries. Yeah, sure. I would, I would think so. Yeah. Right. So that was a, that was a cool study. And I was trying to develop that to where we could like screen people to say, Hey, like, you know, outside of everything else, because people that did have great quote unquote, great profiles were still having issues. So there's an, obviously some more details we were missing. Right. Right. <laughs> so that was kind of my biggest contribution. Um, not sure if it took off much after I kind of in, exited that field. Um, but nonetheless, it was really cool. Wow, that's yeah. that's
0: that's that's pretty neat. Yeah, yeah, I would have never thought of something like that. Right, but I mean, and that's one of the really cool things that I think about you that I really like is that um, you're just always kind of looking at research, uh, new thought patterns, theories on anything. It seems like from machines to exercise. I mean, if it if it's new to the fitness world, uh, and it comes across your your desk, you're ready. To, you kind of dive into, it. and that's kind of a lot of what your podcast is on, right? It's exactly. Finding specific topics. Uh, like you just, you, you actually, when you came in earlier, you said that you just put out a podcast yesterday, yep. um, and, uh, which today is, what is today? So, 26. so the people can go back <laughs> and find it cause this yeah. is coming out later on, but, uh, it's like the, the 26th of, uh, of, uh, April. April. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but yeah, so, and what was, what was the the topic on yesterday's?
1: Yeah. So my, my podcast is uh fitness lit breakdown and lit not as in like this is lit. You know, <laughs> fitness is lit, guys. Yeah. <laughs> and let me break it down too. Right? Yeah, it's more of like uh literature. So I, basically, I find new research published within the la- you know the latest to a couple years back on anything in the fitness world uh that is usable information. Right. So most people aren't going to go out and be like, "Oh, I can't wait for this manuscript to come out and blah 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 journal." It's like nobody reads those, right? And then when you do, it's like, what in the world is this person even trying to tell me in the first place? There's so many, you know words <laughs>
0: right well right yeah it's just if they don't have a certain uh level of academia like it's like, tough like to myself read. uh if you broke it down to me in common terms that i learned becoming a personal trainer right, yeah. or things that i use on a daily basis which i think you could use a lot of those words then i might might understand it but yeah there are certain exactly. things i'd be like um yeah you know so it's like
1: <laughs> you know I've, some of my recent uh, shows have been on, like, you know, training to the failure. There's so much in- information on either side of that argument. So it's like, you know, but it gives you an idea of, like, well, if I'm going to, what level of intensity should I, should I be All lifting right. at? Like, what percentage of 1RM should I be doing? How many repetitions should I shoot for at that resistance? What does that give me compared to, like, leaving a couple of reps in the tank? Is there a difference there? Like, stuff that's, like, hard to dissect. And then you've
0: got everybody's going to react a little bit differently to to the same exact program right? right exactly so you so it can't be a 100 percent blanket like this is what this is what you'll get if you do this, or yeah. this is how this you know yeah so it's a <laughs> lot of information to go through and analyze that. yeah
1: yeah so it's it's fun it, it, i do it for like you know what is where's the research going what is what are those data telling me but how can i actually implement that because i think you and i are very similar in that we kind of treat every day as like an experiment you know it's yeah. like let's let's see what happens these for these two months right right and then I'm let's kind of go back looking. and yeah i'll yeah. try something yeah you know I'll, what I'll, i mean so I think if you have that approach and I kinda pair that with what I'm trying to find in the research, it's like let's just see what we can do over a six or eight week time span in terms of our training. Did it work? Did it not work? Where can we pivot from there? So you do you mean?
0: do you change up your program pretty often then? If what? you or at least if you find something a theory or something that you're like, Oh, this is really this is interesting. I want to try this. Yeah, I
1: mean I'm pretty basic. I kinda stick to the you know, the basic movements. I'm not super fancy in my training. Okay. Um but I what will is fancy.
0: What is fancy training? Fancy training. <laughs>
1: Ninety percent of the stuff you see on in the media would be fancy <laughs> for me. <laughs> Fair enough, you know. I mean,
0: I'm, if, I, if I had my way, dumbbells, bar, free weights. Yeah, I mean, really, that's all I need. Uh, however, I will say, uh, after doing uh, machines uh, eight for eight weeks, pretty much only machines um, with a coach, uh, I think for most people uh, that aren't trying to grow or don't have a very specific goal, I think machines are probably one of the better better options, especially for overall inner inter- for trade off for the amount of energy and injury issues.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's, I remember you saying you did that. It was, it's cool yeah. that, uh, you're, are you on the end of that training program now? Or are you still working on We through finished it. it. So,
0: um, we found that after eight weeks, uh, I didn't lose, I didn't progress in, uh, the bench as far as like a, like a bar bench. Like I, I could lift the same amount then that I could before pretty much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we did find that like my max squat was around 365 at the time and I was able to do, I was actually able to hit 330, which was a squat PR mm-hmm. after eight weeks. So without touching a squat bar for over eight weeks, actually probably longer than that. Um, and the last time I did the squat, um, I think I had like 365 max. So I jumped like, I don't know, 45, 75 pounds. Mm-hmm. And, you know, granted, I have knee issues. And I think that this was the first program where my knees were like, oh, like, uh, with, with, with my knee issues, the machines really allowed them stabilized so that I didn't have any, I didn't have any issues. Cause there are times that like I've done exercises like a squat or something and I've just, just gone down wrong and right. it happens. And then I've upset my knee and now I can't squat for the next two months. There was a time period where I did upper body for six months and didn't do lower body almost at all because I was like swollen and yeah, was, in pain. Uh, yeah. Well, I have a torn meniscus in my left knee. I think another one in my right knee and there's so much, um, uh, arthritis in it, they won't, they won't do surgery on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> they told me I'm going to need knee replacements by the time I'm 40 something. I'm like, that ain't happening. No, sorry. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to overcome that. <laughs> that was actually kind of the beginning of my, one of the things that helped me get to into fitness was like, I'm going to figure out a way to fix my knees. And I found, uh, I found a bunch of different things kind of like you. I just did a bunch of research mm-hmm. and I started trying things. And I think I've kind of accumulated a bunch of things that I think that at least helped my knee. Um, and the bad thing is that you learn things and then you, I've gotten bad and not stuck to it as well as I should have Yeah, like my own program. Cause I'm caught up in other programs or life in general.
1: hundred so. percent. Yeah, <laughs> no, I would agree with that. I mean, I've had in, in my current model now that I'm working at, I've had physicians reach out to me as like, is it worth working with you or should I just go ahead and do it? My surgeon is telling me to right. do an operate on my shoulder. I'm like, well, tell me what's going on. And like, I, I would think three months of working with me is probably worth trying before you go and get your shoulder cut into. You know what I mean? So it's like Well yeah, why why yeah, wouldn't you? Exactly. You know I mean? that, but people don't think that way for some reason. It's like
0: why not try some effort for three months? Yeah. Like it's, uh <laughs> I have uh I have a little um another little sports cards business with a buddy of mine and uh he's got some injuries that are so bad he really can't physically exercise. So he spent the last year just eating healthier. He lost like over a hundred pounds. Just uh just eating healthier and he's like man i've even thought about getting that you know that surgery to help you know get rid of it and i'm like man you've lost 100 something pounds in the last year don't even think about it right, right. You, i know it's hard but even after you'll get the surgery guess what you have to continue living your yeah. life the same <laughs> way you are right now yeah so all this is going to do is save you money not have someone cut into you and it might take you two more extra years mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah but i mean 100 and i think he said 120 something pounds in in the last year that's nuts which you know and he literally just eats chicken salad and he's gotten used to it and and, uh because that was one of the things i said when i brought him onto this business is i was like hey you got to be healthier if you're going to be around me Mm -hmm. like you can't be around me because i'm I'm serious i'm gonna buy healthy food i'm gonna put in the fridge for you you know and i didn't realize that that's what he has been doing already and then i felt really guilty because like oh my bad man yeah (laughs) (laughs) like because half the time you know back in the day he would try and he'd give up and try and i thought he was going through one of those phases no he's He's on a solid phase right yeah, now.
1: Yeah, right. It's all about, like, that's just part of being consistent. But at the same time, you time you're, ho- you're aiming for a change, whether it's, like, for a weight loss or a weight gain, the slower you can do that, yeah. the better.
0: Yeah, so what do you find as a, like, I find slow, pro- like you said, slow progression. Like, if I want to help someone with their diet, I slowly take stuff away from them. Mm-hmm. Like, eight cokes, let's do four cokes this week. And then six months later, you're cut a lot out if they're committed and they stick with
1: it. Right. Right. Yeah, it's that's a tough one too. It's like as, you know, aspartame and sugar are so addictive. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, right. So uh so you've spent a good good chunk of your career doing strength training mm-hmm. with athletes. Um yeah. what what's that been like? I mean, what what are some things that you've learned? Some yeah, cuz I know I know you're sitting there Coming up with things, having them do some stuff, and then doing. I'm going see how that how they react. To yeah, this right. Like, what is coach having me do this? Don't worry about it. Yeah, I'm taking notes. Yeah,
1: right. It's like that's the tough one because most of the time when you're working with like a higher performing athlete, you have to rein them in most of the time. You know what I mean? Because do they, they want to overwork? Oh, they'll they they'll overwork to themselves to the nth degree, and they'll think that's cool because they can and they enjoy that. But I'm like, that's me. You know what I mean? It's like, and that's great. And every like, other and every CrossFitter, yeah. <laughs> which is cool. And Good mindset. Yeah, right. It's like you have to have that level of just stupid drive to compete in some of the stuff you're going to do. But at the same time, it's like we can mimic that in some training, but it can't be all training. You know what right. I mean? Like people, a nervous system is a nervous system. Some people can handle way more stress than others. But in the end of the day, nobody is, you know, God.
0: But isn't that <laughs> the difference between, you know, smart training and not smart training I would think so to a so. extent like, yeah. like even NBA players are starting to do yoga and do recovery stuff that they've never done before because they're realizing oh I take care of my body
1: yeah right yeah so it's that's starting to come out more and uh, you know some of the higher achieving athletes when this stuff comes out it's like oh this person spends a million dollars on their training and, and recovery and nutrition and stuff I'm like well that's
0: that's not a lot of money if you're making no, 50 million a year right exactly million a year and if you know.
1: want to do that for 20 years and, or, and instead of like million, four years like, you <laughs> pay more than that <laughs> yeah <laughs> So it's like, I think that's, you know, that's really smart, but that's probably the biggest thing okay. when I, when I'm starting to work with these athletes that it's like, well, I've always done this or more. I'm like, well, yeah, but you want to get better, right? Like how much more can you do? What if we like got a little bit more strategic with when we're going to use more, but then do the stuff that you would just kind of push off and say, it's not worth it. Do those on some days when you've got some extra time. Okay. You know what I mean, so it's like, it's a blend of, of doing like what you mentioned. It's like. Nobody wants to do like the PT, quote unquote, PT stuff that right. allows you to do all the other stuff. Oh, I'm, I, you know I, mean, I mean, I even
0: have my moments, but I will tell you right now, if you do what PT tells you to do and you do it outside of PT like you're supposed to, you do it inside of PT like you're supposed to, you will get better. Yeah. Like yeah. nine times out of 10. There's those, that one person that didn't get better and they've told everybody. <laughs> it doesn't work. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. So it's like I'm a huge proponent of prehab and posthab of your, you know, around your workout time. And the older that I get, the more I realize I have to do that. Or it's like, I'm just, I feel like I'm 75 years old if I don't.
0: Do you work with PTs? Like, like the, the kind of the triangle PT client, you, and the three of you talk?
1: Yeah, a lot like, of times I will. Um, I'll be in close contact with some PT people, especially ones coming off like a certain injury that progressed to a certain extent. And then it's like, right, because they got to get I mean? back
0: to full explosiveness again. Yeah. And so you don't want to over push them too early.
1: Right. Because PT gets you back to like, Normal operating capacity. No athlete wants to be normal operating capacity, unless
0: you're on a team. Yeah, (laughs) unless you're getting paid. Yes, PT. Yeah, they get you back to just moving, and then you gotta. If you want to get back to that competitive part, you uh, get someone like you. Exactly right. So
1: that's (laughs) that's like you know maybe like a third of my clientele that that uh, I love to work with because it like always challenges you to think of like what next level of programming in coaching do I need to get to to have this person be able to be ready on race day but at the same time like what is the minimal amount of work they can do to get ready for race right if do that makes you, sense do you like programming i love it
0: i think it's probably one of my favorite parts of like like it's sitting down like having a real conversation with somebody having them go through a couple exercises and then sitting down and just figuring out what you're going to have them do for the next 8 to 12 weeks mm-hmm. based on what they can do and then it's seeing that progression if you did your program right. Yeah. <laughs> and, they, and they did their half right. Well,
1: usually it's like, if they're coming to you that they've never worked with you before, they're probably going to improve somewhere because you're going to do something different than they've done before. That's so that just like true. the novelty of the training component of that. And just the way in which you're applying your technique to them, you're going to see some improvement, but you know, it's, it's just a big puzzle piece. And if you like starting out with an exploded puzzle and seeing the finished part, oh, then yeah. you like programming. You oh, know?
0: it's, it's so much fun. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, like, I like making up programs. Well, actually, that's pretty much what we do for our Sunday fun day, mm-hmm. make up a program. I have a I have a template that I built now that I work off of, but I still change up the, the exercises and stuff yeah. quite a bit.
1: Yeah, and the template's probably really basic, right? It's usually nothing crazy.
0: Yeah, it's so it's 13 exercises. It's, uh, I think, three cardio, two legs, one arm, one back, uh, one shoulder, two core, two body weight, um, one dynamic movement, and i think there's two more exercises it's like 13 exercises and then between that there's usually let's say 15 10 well actually eight to 15 minutes of cardio depending on how fast you're going Mm -hmm. if you push you could actually probably finish all the cardio in under eight minutes but you you're going to be dead dead yeah uh and then uh and then roughly then you've got the full body all the full bodies probably five six hundred reps on top of that Mm -hmm. so you know because my big thing is I do two body weights because functionality of body weights extremely important in day to day movements. Right, uh, and we do a dynamic movement, uh, and then something like a box jump or something like that, just to k- keep our bodies doing that. And some, then we do some power generation. Right. Yeah, everyone needs legs, so we usually do lunges and squats, and we do walking lunges weighted. Mm-hmm. People yeah. hate that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it is so good for you because it's a functional movement that also builds strength. So you're building strength while moving. Right. Um, which is gonna give you overall better balance in life. And then um and then the three cardio aspects, because that's the one thing that most of us are weak at, especially us that like to lift. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Is the uh is is keeping up our cardiovascular. But even if you do cardio once or twice a week really hard, it'll keep you in pretty decent shape.
1: Oh, for sure. Intensity is king when you start talking cardio. you know, upper tier cardiovascular fitness intensity is always king. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, again,
0: you know, and I'm always trying to train my ATP system to work a little bit better. Yeah, so. Right. Uh, I love I love uh, people doing uh, the assault bike as hard as they can. Yeah. For the, like the first time, like really going hard. And I'm like, wait till your ADP. And they're like, what does that mean? So I said, you just spent all of your energy. It Your body's about because you feel fine the second you yeah. finish, usually. And you get off the bike and then it just hits you. And like the second your body realizes it's in a negative deficit, it's like. Oh. <laughs> oh, this is not good.
1: Yeah. Outside of just taking a huge scoop of creatine and hopefully yeah. it gets into the muscles, right? You know? Oh, yeah. I guess that's true. <laughs> but it's not that fast. Yeah. You just got to How rest. awesome
0: would that be? Yeah. Yeah. Take a needle. Come on. <laughs> creatine to the body. Let's, <laughs> let's get this. That would be pretty insane. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So, let's. Uh, what else? There's so much other stuff. So you you worked at the University of Kentucky. Yep. Um, did you do research for them?
1: Yeah. So I, I did my PhD there. Right. So through that you you know you have like your own research protocol you create and you you take that through to fruition and stuff and then so I did that for just under four years. They hired me on to teach for them. Um. So I I stayed for a year and did that, and kind of continued helping out with some research areas along the lines of the firefighter stuff I had mentioned before. Um, and then I had intention of staying there for a while, but um, my wife found a different position. She's a physician and um, got an offer in Ohio. So,
0: how great is it having a physician as a wife? Because I know you're bumping ideas off of her. Oh, you for know, sure! You're like, but hey, babe, what do you think about this? Like <laughs> but
1: like you know, you'd be surprised. Like you know, physicians don't know jack squat about nutrition, exercise, any of that stuff. They don't get any of that stuff in. in well, they school. may
0: not have the full knowledge base that that we've learned just from personal experience mm-hmm. and you you actually have much more uh you know academia than i do uh but they know they know enough that's the, i have a i have a physician as a client and mm-hmm. like she knows how to eat healthy she knows yeah like because I she's taught, taking it upon herself right, to learn that stuff Some, you know? some of that you yeah. know but i mean you know basic what you i think most doctors should know basically and that most of us know kind of like what's healthy and what's not mm-hmm. in most cases yeah uh just what's accessible and what's not and what's cost the expense yeah uh, yeah (laughs) yeah no i get you you are right they uh there are things that she didn't know that kind of surprised me i was kind of like oh
1: yeah i mean they don't get much training in that world but you know at the same time they're science-minded and they can if they're interested in learning more things about exercise and diet and things like that they're way ahead of the curve right because they have more understanding of physiology in general that's what yeah yeah but at the same time like my wife gets on me all the time because it's like she sees the big picture of stuff because she's working with patients all day and has to have the end goal in mind I'm diving into like well, what's going on? Why is that, you know, receptor not working at the cellular level? Cuz that's just right. PhD is like, you know, you're, you're you get bogged down by the details sometimes, which I like, you know, it's just right. part of How the deal. How
0: long did it take you to do your P-
1: It took it took me just under 4 years. Okay. Yeah, which is pretty, you know, 4 years is kind of yeah. like the the right. Yeah.
0: Are you going to go back and get your doctorate?
1: My MD? Oh, your MD? No.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> one one doctorate is is plenty for a Come lifetime. On, why not? Yeah, another? right. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no thanks,
1: but uh, yeah, no, it's it's true. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, awesome. So you worked with, I think one of the cool things that I want to know more about is the different machines that you got to work with, far as mm. uh, body compensation, right? Like uh, body fat. Yep. Uh, there are three major ones that you kind of w- got to work with, uh, and I kind of like kind of a breakdown a little bit on each one and kind of how you thought they worked. Oh, for sure. Um. So. The, I'm not even going to try to pronounce them all. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, composition's a interesting uh, field, um, and what most of us get tripped up, even like younger students in the actual field of exercise science, have a hard time understanding at the beginning, like we've all heard of BMI, right? Body mass index. Right. That has nothing to do with the actual composition of your body. That's just a ratio of your height and your weight. Right. right. It was
0: like supposed to be some kind of mass average. It, to works, kind of- it works
1: great for the average population of like, right. you should be a probably some number of weight for how tall you are, right?
0: Right. So, and that's what it's really based off. Though, that's is, all it is, is. an average. So it's not very specific in a person like me to you because technically my BMI, is, I think is like really high due to the amount of muscle I have in verse like my body weight.
1: Exactly right. So if you look at like a real athletic population, like maybe like a higher performing sprinter or like a defensive end in football, those people might be seen as like obese in the eyes of BMI, right? But they're like 5% body fat. Right. So that doesn't really work <laughs> but average adults if that's what obese is we are yeah, all yeah in trouble. exactly so that kind of like is the realm of what bmi is supposed to be used for just a mass like send it out in the population what's the number that gives us some information right but that's not composition composition is actually breaking down what is fat mass right what is fat free mass and fat free mass can be muscle mass it can be water it can be mineral bone right? It can be anything else other than fat. Okay. <laughs> but those things are, you know can get overlooked. It's like, well, bone mass, yeah, that's fat-free mass, right? It's But it's not muscle mass. Right. You know what I mean? So it gets really hairy when you start diving into all the different ways to measure. And I'll mention this many other times in that any tool you're using when you go to like a, a wellness center or a fitness center and they're like, oh, let's get your percent body fat. There are a lot of what's called assumptions that go into that measurement tool you're using. 100%. Right. And that some of the tools that are mass produced, like your bioelectrical impedance, where you're holding the thing out in your yeah. hands and squeezing it, there's like five or six assumptions that if those aren't exactly followed out, then the reading you're getting is just right. pure poop emoji. Well, you know yeah. What I mean? if,
0: if you go to like a, I'm guessing like a local supplement shop that has like an in body where you stand on it, you hold the little thing, and you go every Saturday to do it. But some Saturdays you drink water before, and some Saturdays you don't drink water before, mm-hmm. and some Saturdays you wear heavier clothes and other saturdays you don't you don't wear the same i mean really if, yeah. if you want the, the most accurate baseline you want to you have to almost repeat those same exact steps you do um and then and then on top of that this is the this is what is why i tell my clients because i have like a, one of those little scales over here that that does the body fat percentage and everything yep. i'm like i don't know how accurate this is what i do know and what i do believe that if it says you're 250 pounds at you know 30 percent body fat And three months from now, it says you're 225 pounds at 27% body fat. I know that you lost, you know, we know that we lost body fat, and we probably did lose close to 3% because it gives us a baseline to work with, even though we might have really been 35% and we're really 33 instead of 27 and 30. Yeah. We have a baseline to actually see the progression. Right, yeah. For most people, that's the most important thing.
1: It is, yeah. So having, that is nice because you can get some level of, you know test retest repeatability right we don't know how reliable or accurate that right. is though
0: <laughs> but the stuff right and so you know but that's uh but the, what you're working with here at the university of kentucky is
1: yeah so it's it's different so like i'll kind of give you a, a background on the different ones that are i would say that are good because <laughs> there's no way to actually assess it unless you're a cadaver and we can piece apart your body. Ready to me me either. Me either. So,
0: And then I don't even get the information uh, after. Then you don't even know. You got <laughs> to give it to your
1: family. <laughs> but most of all that's out there now is based off of the original test, which is hydrostatic weighing, in which another term for that is underwater weighing. right? And this was done probably 100 years ago where they took cadavers. They were all middle-aged white males, cadavers. And they had people come in and dissect all the fat from their body. Really? Yep. And they ground it all up, put it in a tar- jar and put it under water. And they found the density of 100% fat mass. Right?
0: That's, that's pretty <laughs> neat, a little history so, lesson.
1: <laughs> a little history lesson. So they found the density of, of fat mass, did the same thing for everything else, ground it up, put it under water, found the density of fat-free mass, right? And they found that the density of 100% fat mass in that population, was 0.9 grams per milliliter the density of water is somewhere around one okay right? so if you put pure pure fat and water it floats it's less dense right if you put lean mass fat free mass right the density of that sample is 1.1 grams per milliliter okay. so it sank right to the bottom right it's more dense so it's separate in a manner of speaking yeah so it's one sank one in right. one floated so when you do any kind of composition, it's all based off of body density. What's the density of the tissue you're measuring, right? So when you go in the in the hydrostatic weighing tank, it's just a big pool, and you're sitting on a chair, right? Most likely you have some kind of a dive belt on so you don't float out of the chair, because I've measured some people that are 50% body fat or more, <laughs> right? And they would probably start, you know, going to the top. But Oh, <clears throat>
0: man, yeah, that's true.
1: I mean, so it keeps you in the chair, and you weigh all that stuff out, and it's all zeroed out before you do the test. And... The tricky part with this is not everybody likes this test because number one, you gotta be comfortable in water. Number two, we have to measure what's called your residual lung volume. So if I told you right now, take a big breath in and blow out as much air as you possibly can, like to the nth degree, you've got nothing left. You still have some amount of air left in your lungs to keep the pressures consistent to where they don't collapse on each other, right? Okay. That's residual lung volume. We need to know that when you're underwater Right? Because that would cause you to look more fat if we didn't know it. Because if you blow up you know there's, your floaties I, on your arm that helps right. you float. That's, but I'm
0: guessing the second you blow you suck <clears throat> air back in, you have air to
1: Well, you're underwater doing this.
0: Oh, you don't have like a tube? Well or you something? Some, you can. So okay. some
1: so when we in our lab we had we measured that number outside of the water. So we measured it. There's a whole other... I won't even get into it, it'll bore <laughs> you to death. But <laughs> well, we can measure that number and then you try and repeat that when you're underwater. So that's the biggest... Oh, so you yep. measure
0: it above water and then <coughs> underwater, yeah. so... There are
1: some systems I've seen, if you really want to get as accurate as possible, you're measuring that underwater, so you can get it exactly the number, how much liters of air are still right. in your lungs while you're underwater to get a true measurement, but it's a little bit more expensive, a little bit more challenging, but... So when you're underwater, this is the most challenging part for most people, as you go in the water, you get lowered to like just your chin and your head is above water, you lean forward and you let out as much air as you possibly can. You get to that residual volume number while you're underwater, right? And then you got to sit there for about 10 seconds. And Hanging some out. people freak out. Oh, some people freak out big time because they're like, you know, you're gasping at that point, but you got to hang out. And you got to be comfortable and you got to be still, right? Because you're sitting on essentially a scale and we got to read how much you weigh underwater. And if you're moving at all, that scale is bouncing all over the place, right? And then you got to do that and you have to repeat that 2 to 3 times in a row get a very similar number because we're trying to get like a you know, we want to take some time to do. It takes like a half hour. Oh, that's actually
0: not as long as I would. No.
1: If we know, and then if you're going to measure your, your lung volume, it might take a little bit longer. Do you guys do VO two max there too? We do. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. We, I mean, I've tested a million people VO two (laughs) max, but that's like, so all of the other tests you've done, like your biological impedance, when you're at the, you're holding the scale, it's all based off of hydrostatic weighing. It's all based off of body density stuff. Your skin fold measurements that's all based off right. of hydrostatic they
0: like I understand the aspect of like sending the waves through the body and then it tries to I'm guessing as it bounces, it's seeing how thick the walls are, right? Or well, it's it's
1: impedance to the flow of the current.
0: And I'm guessing also by putting in my weight or by my seeing my weight, my age, my height, and if I'm male or female, there's some is there some metrics that it that it already knows about being male or female or yeah, to so this age or this weight. Those are all based off of height.
1: what's called a regression equation. Okay, are you familiar with those? So, no, I don't think so a regression equation is like you want to figure out you know a, a certain measurement. Okay. Right? but I can predict based off these four things with close accuracy, that's going to be the the answer for this question. Right. So like things like male and female, we carry body fat different places and there's going to be a difference because of where we're carrying it. Right. Right. Age is different because obviously just based off of a population, the older we get, the more body fat we have, the less muscle mass we have unless you, you know, use it. <laughs> if you don't lose it, you lose it. You right. know what I mean? Oh, I'm,
0: I'm going to, I'm putting it on and I'm going to be putting it on in my 60s and 70s. <laughs> yeah, right.
1: So it's like we're trying to predict this number based off of these pieces of data. Right. And that's what it's like you're doing with like your bioelectrical impedance. It's looking at like age, how old you are, or sorry, what your, your gender is, um, how many times per week you exercise, blah, 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 blah. Cause all that is built into when they made these black box equations. They went and tested a thousand people of this age range, of this fitness level. And if you match that, your prediction is pretty good in that percent body fat. That's how these machines work. It's just all statistics.
0: Yeah, that's what I figured. The more data they have, the better chance that they have of like being more accurate. Yeah,
1: so some of these might be like the, it's called like a a big R. That's like your prediction um, capacity essentially. And if it's like 1.0 is like these four things you looked at, 100% predict the number that you get out of it. Okay. Some of these things that you're using, there might be like 0.88. So like 88% of the answer can be, essentially detailed by the four things you measured. Okay. If that makes oh, sense. Oh, wow. Okay. Right. So you think that's pretty good, but like, you know, there's a lot of variability in 12% there. percent error. A lot of error. Still, that's a lot of error. Yeah. That yeah. Is, so,
0: <laughs> um, You're probably, so far, you're probably one of the, the most difficult, not difficult, but you know, like, you medically, you know, you know some stuff and I'm just like, okay, focus. Like, what's your thought?
1: Like, I'm, I know. I'm trying to like make sure it's, so it's not everybody's going to fall asleep when they listen to this. Yeah. No. It,
0: well, it doesn't make me fall asleep. I'm just trying to comprehend some of this stuff. Like, I'm just like, oh, I should have been a little, I thought I was prepared, but then I'm like, again, you talk at a, you, what, you, what you're what you talking about has the words that you're using are just like, that's what they're calling it. <laughs> So, anyways, but no, this has been fun. <laughs> yeah. You having a good time? But oh also, yeah, for sure. I, I also realized right as we started, I'm like, why the hell did I tell him to keep his mouth in front of the mic? Like he does a podcast. <laughs> like, like that was like the first word came out, and I was like, oh yeah, he knows exactly where to be at. <laughs> hey, this is perfect.
1: You never know, you know. You Don't.
0: <laughs> but yeah, I forget. Like, it, but if you've never done a podcast, people are usually like, yeah, trying to sit back here. They think the mic works like you can do over there. It still you works. You can hear the difference. <laughs> yeah, like, and I don't sure. know how people don't hear me and be like, oh, like I hear more echo in my voice. These are clear as hell too. I like. Yeah, these. I'm actually. Like, these new,
1: huh? Are these newer?
0: No, we pay when we bought them. We pay like thirty-five or fifty bucks a piece for these on on a, on Amazon. I might need to get and, okay. it, and it's a kit, so it comes with the it comes with the cord, it comes with uh, this, and it comes with it's the it's the whole thing. That is nice. So, um, but yeah, and uh, but uh, Keenan also we use a board, so we have like a board. So I think there are things that he does that may and we just record the audio into the computer. So there may be things that he does um, to make things sound nicer. Than I'm sure it is.
1: <laughs> I don't have one of those at my, uh, I don't have a Kenan in my house.
0: Well, <laughs> Keenans are available for rent. <laughs> uh, I've honestly had like two or three different guests like walk away, like getting his number and being like, I'm going to give you a call. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, this is not really what he does. I just asked him to help me out with something. <clears throat> and He's he a could, man and of he he master just, of all he trades. He just figures out things. Yeah. I was like, I need your help making a podcast. Can you he's learn a- this? And he's like, all right.
1: He's got a he's got a big big intelligent brain.
0: Uh, one of the smartest people I know.
1: Yeah. He <laughs> <laughs> <Let's see. laughs>
0: really is. All right. Yeah. But, uh, coaches, athletes, research.
1: Right, we? we can talk. We can talk more about the decks that so we didn't yeah. dive into that yet.
0: Oh no, I definitely <clears throat> uh, continue with that. I'm just saying. Uh, oh yeah, we we haven't really talked about recovery. That was mm-hmm. one thing I wanted because I know you're big into. it, yeah. And we could probably dive down about recovery. For yeah. Me. Uh, yeah, and then the last thing was this stuff. So really, the recovery and this, and then we'll just see where it leads. And cool, you never know. When we hit the end, we hit the end. <laughs> yeah. So, how, so tell us a little bit about the Dexa.
1: Yeah. So, uh, the Dexa is it's dual energy X ray absorptometry. It's a it's a lot. <laughs> I, would,
0: I would not remember. Maybe if I worked with them, I would
1: remember. <laughs> yeah, you would remember it. Uh, it's they're they're cool, and they were you know originally created for you know more of a medical purpose when you know, women going through menopause trying to get an indicator and a measurement of their bone mineral density, right? So that was kind of the original uh, design of the tool. And then through, you know, technology and progression, they've adapted some of the software to figure out what is your actual body composition, right? Like how much is fat? How much is muscle alongside of like what's your bone mineral density at, right? So it's kind of like the the best of both worlds in terms of all of your your composition because we can get all those things biggest breakdown right right. and so so some of the older ones even maybe five ten years ago there's been a lot of changes even just like in your 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 phone right the the pixelation on your phone compared to 10 years ago (laughs) night and day right so that's like this technology yeah beyond but that's how some of these you know (laughs) so if you're using a machine that's 10 years old that that measurement is not definitely not a gold standard because what happens is they take the, the pixels it takes a skin of your body and it pixelates it to a picture, just like any other camera would, right? Those pixels were so large. And the way it works is that whatever was the majority of that pixel, fat or lean tissue, it's said that whole pixel was that.
0: Oh. Right? I think uh, Brian Shaw, you know, the um, uh, strongest man in the world, like yeah. won it like two or three. I think they did one. Does it show up in little colors, too? It does. It? And yeah. so, like, he was a bunch of green, like lighter and brighter greens, because that was his... Muscle, yeah, whatever then, the yeah, whatever you set it to, it gives you that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay, so you can set the different colors. I, I th- I'm,
1: I'm not, I'm not that good at it, but, but I'm sure you can. If that
0: was the machine that. That's probably what he used. It for could, it could have been. It could have been. Pretty
1: cool. So the new, the newer ones, obviously, the pixels have gotten so small, but it's still the operation still the same. If 51% is fat, it's still going to say the whole pixel's fat, which okay. is fat. Okay. what mechanism of the tool, but it gives you a much more detailed analysis of what composition actually is because you're getting bone, you're getting mineral, you're getting fat mass, you're getting fat free mass, all that kind of stuff. Um, but that is considered the gold standard now for body composition is a DEXA scan. Um, Some people will still tell you if you have hydrostatic weighing with measured residual lung volume while underwater, that's still a gold standard, but I would still go back and say like, well, if you're a middle-aged Caucasian male, it would be because that's what the sample is based off of because we know now like some different um, ethnicities have different, um, densities of fat free mass it's not the same as that original sample really so there's there's tedious so, stuff in there so your heritage can that you have your, to be aware of your heritage can exactly actually a, but if the goal like you mentioned before here's what it comes down to the goal we don't really care what exactly your percent body fat we is we just want to see progression we want to see where it goes yeah right so i could care less what it is as long as i can test it now and know this is the test retest repeatability of the tool is always the same and i can get a now then later picture then that's all i care about
0: exactly so but i mean
1: but if you want to know right and, and if, if you want something to, that's
0: uh, i guess a little bit more accurate than what you're going to find out in the everyday world the scales in yeah. body but if yep. you want something that you feel like is going to be a little bit more accurate these are Those are the ways options.
1: yeah and if you're like if you're close to a university or a hospital it might be worth a, a, a some research on your end if you really want to know a more gold standard measure of your composition Look what studies they're doing. You can get in for free and get your measurement done. You can be a part of a study. You can, whatever you that can might be. You can pay UK, can't you? You can pay and have it done too, just as a regular person popping yeah. in like, Hey, I want to know. My, they have it. Yeah. yeah. So, so there, there are opportunities for that,
0: you know? So you got to work with those, those machines for uh, four years, pretty much.
1: Yeah. Four five years, probably. Um, I did quite a bit of that. Um, and then
0: And you said you also did the a lot of the VO two max stuff. Did a bunch of testing of that. Yeah. What'd you think about working with that and seeing people's different lug capacities? And
1: oh, it's it's wild, man. I mean, I tested um the cross country team
0: a couple of times. Okay.
1: And, you know, you have to basically kick them off the treadmill because they'll just run that thing into the ground. You know <laughs> what I mean?
0: <laughs> is that is that how it works? Is that the objective is to get you out of breath? Well, so you, you completely you, get you
1: We wanna essentially tax all three energy systems. Okay. And the last one to basically crap out is your aerobic, right? Right. So it's like you start off at a lower intensity, you run for like or walk depending on where your fitness level is for two minutes. If we still see signs of you having more room, we say, "Do you have you want to keep going?" And some people will be like, "No, I'm done." You know. So it's like we don't. Okay, thanks for coming in, but this is not right. But you get like a, a person that really wants to know and they're motivated to do it because I've done this, I've measured myself 10 or 12 times and it's not a cool experience. I mean, it is, but it's hard. Right. And if you have more room, it's like, okay, let's see if we can go for two more minutes. We measure, we see what, you know, how much oxygen you're bringing in, how much CO2 you're blowing off. We see where your heart rate is. We see all these other pieces of information that we can kind of predict and say, you have more room, but like, do you want to keep going? <laughs> And we get to the certain point to where if a person is fit enough and they have the motivation to do it, they get to that point to where even if we increase you intensity-wise, you're not going to increase any of your physiological measurements. You've reached the end of what your capacity is. Really? Yeah. So, I mean, you can only breathe in so much and blow off so much. And you divide those two numbers, it can only go so high. Right. Because right? If, if you're blowing off more than you're bringing in, then you're not you're going to pass out.
0: I mean, yeah. Well, yeah. Of course. Yeah. So (laughs) (laughs) you kind of need oxygen to live, right?
1: Yeah. So from a a very basic standpoint, that's kind of a way to look at it. But you can see physiologically. did Lance Armstrong
0: supposedly have like a ridiculous VO two max? It was pretty high,
1: but you know, uh, runners typically have higher than cyclists because it's just the weight bearing capacity. You know, now
0: is that more physiology or is that more training your body, or is that a little bit of both?
1: A little bit of both. Okay. Yeah, because some people, you know, will have some genetic component like if you and I were to go into a lab and get a measurement of our mitochondria and okay. our mitochondrial enzymes is the fancy word they use for it. Through training, you can improve both of those. With detraining, those things will decrease because they're very uh, non-efficient energetically okay. to have right. Right, for a person that's not going to use them. So if you have those through training, therefore you you're increased your aerobic capacity and your aerobic fitness, right? Right. So, But some people have more of those, like just, just naturally. Genetically, Right.
0: So it just helps them out.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> and it goes back to your mom. Really? So, so the, mothers, the, the mother's side.
0: When I go get my VO2 max, <laughs> if it's not good. <laughs> do you
1: inherit the the mitochondria right. side of things from the can female you, side.
0: Can you, uh, is there a way to analyze how much you have or what your capability is?
1: Um, you, the best way is just to jump on the treadmill and we do that. Okay, you is, know, is, is not, we, don't, we don't really need to know like how much is in your actual muscle and blood and stuff like that. We can just see that if you go and run on a treadmill. run on a treadmill I mean? and do that. Yeah. So, so like So what do,
0: what do the track runners do then? Like like because like they probably can just keep going and going and going. Oh yeah, for like a, or you just speed them up to a point where they're going so fast they can't hold that pace of speed?
1: Yeah, you know, you use that and elevation too because you can increase it. So most of the time we're we're using elevation to tax somebody because for a person that can run a 4 minute mile, right. you're not going to you know what I mean? So it's like you can't you can't have a very quick burst of, you can't just be on there for four minutes because we need to see where you steady state at, if that makes okay. sense, right? We need to know a steady state number because that is the point in time we can say, hey, this is what your fitness actually is compared to just a weird like event of you hyperventilating or whatever. Fair enough. You know what I mean? So some people start off walking and don't even get to a jog. It's just like walking up with elevation. Some people that are very fit, you have to, you know, using speed and grade. But you, there are you've tons seen the Rocky movies? I have.
0: When he fights the Russian. Yeah. His VO2 max was on point, I feel like, in that movie. It was on point. It was on point. <laughs> it looked like it was for that scene where he was running up the <laughs> treadmill.
1: It was on point. Yeah, so that's a pretty cool test. You can do that. So if you want to do that, I'm sure you can, you know, if you're close to a university yep. that does that, yeah. you can get in on that action, too. Yeah. It's pretty cool So to anybody know.
0: that wants to know that about themselves. Yeah, Cro- cross-country
1: cool. skiers, though, have been seen to have the highest VO2 maxes. Really? Yeah. Is
0: it because of the elevation that they, the elevation and the cold?
1: It, no, it's, it's mainly because it's the most taxing to the most, Parts of your body because you're using both arm and leg to go, right? Have you ever cross country skied before?
0: Um, not cross country. No, yeah. I have skied, but I mean, yeah. By the end of the day, I'm exhausted. Yeah, just, cross just, country just skiing is Just like gravity pull me.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's why like I have a, a huge appreciation for like biathlon in the Olympics because it's like the most excruciating aerobic event, and all of a sudden you got to get your heart rate back down to like 40 to to, to fire. do they do a, a, a cross rifle. country? Okay, that's yeah, what. So, so yeah. is that what it's called? Is biathlon, biathlon, where they
0: do the shooting and then they. Yep. How far do they have to ski? You know?
1: I'm not even I can't remember the it's a, usually a loop and they come back down to the you know the place where they're firing their air rifles, but it's like max out your heart rate and then come back down and chill to try and hit you know five or six targets. That's why that event is so wild
0: because they take as much time as they need to get their heart rate down, but right. the objective is to be able to shoot as soon as you possibly yeah. can <laughs> yeah. and hit those targets.
1: Yeah, right. So if heart rate's like 180 and you're trying to like fire a, an rifle, if you've ever done that before, it's not going to work. You know what I mean? Because you're trying to fire between beats. Maybe I'll just get some lucky. Yeah,
0: <laughs> but no, you're right. I I can't fire well enough with like normal heart rate, let yeah. alone like, exhaust I mean, I couldn't imagine getting off the um the assault bike and, and then try and trying to shoot fire something. a weapon. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it is, though. So I probably like, could hit somebody five feet in front.
1: Of yeah. Me. Right. <laughs> so hopefully the the person that you're running away from right. is running really hard. Yeah. and trying to.
0: But, I mean, we uh, the assault bike, uh, the, the record right now, I think, is 21 seconds for 25 calories. Mm. Uh, but everybody that's done it under 25 seconds for 25 calories has thrown up almost I'm sure. within 10 or 15. <laughs> like, almost within 5 five to 10 minutes after, <laughs> if not sooner. Yeah. <laughs> I had this one client. This is this kid. And he saw that he could be third on the board. He's like, oh, I can beat that time. I am like, go for it. Which is, at the time, it was, I think, like 35 seconds for 25 calories. Mm. And I'm like, all right, we'll do it after the workout. He's like, I'm going to do it now. And I'm like, you don't want to do that now. And he's like, no, I got this. He did it. (laughs) Two minutes later, he's like, I got to go home. He started throwing up. He's like, I'm done. And I'm like, he lives a couple doors down and – uh, that i trained him. he's a baseball player and i i was like i told you to work <laughs> he, he's on the board though you. he's he, in the well he was on the board but i think i think somebody else has not beat that time. okay so unfortunately I don't still know. that's incredible so yeah i think i think everybody that's on the board now is all 25 seconds or less or like 27 seconds or less for 25 calories if you want to try to beat it we'll let you
1: <laughs> i'm not up for that today oh. i got skinny jeans on
0: <laughs> think about this i'll record it You'll be on our version of Guinness Book of World Records and skinny jeans. No one, I mean, nobody's the record, done that No one's even done it in skinny jeans. That and just, and that's just that's a ton record. yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think skinny jeans is its own classification for that, isn't it? <laughs> huh? Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> so that's right. If you could get it, yeah. You you've you. I've literally held the skinny green record for the last ten years. No one's thrown on a pair yeah. to try to beat it. <laughs> no chafing. It's good. Oh my gosh. So recovery. Yeah. Recovery is is. I know that's one thing that you're really big on. Um, I know you probably do a fair amount of research because I mean. Recovery can, can be, well, really one of the most important parts Mm -hmm. of growth or whatever your, whatever goals that you're trying to achieve. So I want to dive down that tunnel with you for a minute. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I I worked with a strength coach. Um, His name is Jim Laird and he used to work out of Lexington. I think he recently moved. Um, I learned a ton from him, but he always had a saying, and I don't know if I'm going to say this exactly right, but it was like, you can't overcome what you can't recover from. Right. Essentially meaning like if you haven't recovered enough to tax yourself with another training stimulus, then you're wasting your time because you're only going to go to a certain level. But you're basically taking two steps forward and one step back, if that makes sense. Right? So once I kind of worked with him and realized how much time he would spend with just regular people or athletes on making sure you're doing stuff outside of the training setting. So you can come back in and just totally max it out with me. You know what I mean? Um, Then that's what we need to do. So that's when I really started to dive into um, the different methods of recovery and that could mean so much for everybody it's different things for different people but um, some of the things i jump into right away and anybody that I, that works with me at, right out of the gate i send them a foam roller a stick roller and a lacrosse ball and those three tools can be used mainly for soft tissue and when i first started to look at this i was like oh that you know it makes so much sense you feel better it, you, there's a noticeable difference before and after you do it um, but i always thought it was like you know helping to recover my muscles most of the time. And there is some level of that until I started diving into what it actually does for you. Um, like soft tissue release with those three tools. Um, and the biggest thing is, is you really get the most benefit if you've ever used a foam roller before or a stick roller or lacrosse ball, like any of those things, right?
0: I've cried while on a foam roller. You
1: should be, you should be crying. (laughs) I find that point and I sit there and hold it. "Ah." If you're not very uncomfortable, you're wasting your time. Number one. Um, but what you essentially get from any of those three tools is you get what's called an acute, so directly after, and it could last for five or 10 or 30 minutes, whatever that might be, improvement in range of motion.
0: Yes. Yeah. So I, I've actually, I think, was it Harvard? Harvard did a research on this. and I, I, But the, really what they learned and it kind of boiled down to is that like, Foam rolling for the sake of foam rolling is not necessarily going to give you that much, mm-hmm. but foam rolling for the sake of finishing it up to go exercise, to do a physical activity, to compete for something uh, directly after using it seem to really help. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But if you're just literally like, this is part of your routine. <clears throat> you just like at the end of your workout, you decide to foam roll because you think it's going to help uh, lengthen your muscles or, and it might help fix a couple knots here and there. Yeah. Like in a massage standard. Uh, for and, sure. Um, but outside of that, it's, it's not really going to give you that much more. And they even said that too much fomaline can damage tissue, supposedly. I'm sure I, don't, I don't know if you read anything on that. I'm
1: but. sure it could if you're using a certain amount of force or whatever. Yeah. It probably could. But that that really like started to get me thinking about you know why I'm using it. And so the, the biggest benefit for me is when you're using those tools, you're essentially affecting the fascia around your muscles. Right. So every muscle, for those that are listening that aren't familiar with that term, <clears throat> there's a very thin layer of like, almost like a tendon-like layer, very thin that surrounds a lot of your muscle groups and it kind of keeps them in position where they need to be, right? But that also that fascia also can transmit and transduce force, right? It's part of the tendon complex of the muscle and tendon. So it's important. But what happens when you're, you're not moving a lot, when body temperature's lower, that fascia tends to get very stiff. And that means it's stiff when you try to move. It's uncomfortable, it can be a little painful, right? So foam rolling and stick rolling, all those things make your fascia more malleable, more easily stretched, more flexible. That's why you likely feel like you can move better after you foam roll. You just feel better in general, right? Yeah. No, you I definitely feel that. looser. Yeah. Like
0: there's uh, there's a direct correlation, uh, you know, and I don't think it is a placebo effect.
1: Yeah, definitely not.
0: <laughs> but then again, it might be the pain that I just put myself through. To, uh, no,
1: there's yeah, 100 percent right. So you've you've adapted that that fascia. To be more malleable, more flexible, so you move more freely, right. and that transmits into now you can work through a greater range of motion with your structured lifts, which you can get stronger and more comfortable right. and better technique at the bottom part of a squat or a deadlift. So you've just improved strength through a greater range of motion, right. and your capacity to move through a grander, greater range of motion. That's the benefit of using those tools, right?
0: And so, they're quick. And I mean, they're quick. And if you really, and cheap. if you had the time and the money, you would probably be doing yoga most days. You would also be doing. Uh, actual range of motion training mm-hmm. which is similar to yoga in the aspect of like you're trying to get to your end range of motion but you're trying to get to your in range of motion that you have control of exactly so um, active range of motion, active yeah active yep. range of motion where yoga will take you well past that uh but it also helps lengthen the muscle so there's again a little bit of both between the two and then you'd be training on top of that and then in theory you could probably alleviate the foam roller because you'd get, be doing a little better with the range of motion training and the yoga however that's an extra two hours or three hours a day you got to put in where foam rolling. You can do. That was the one nice thing. I would do foam rolling every single day before I worked out. Um, probably by fifteen twenty minutes. I mean, that's a full, lot. And uh, yeah, yeah, I think I think I was putting too much time, but I was doing a full body. Like I had a whole routine where mm-hmm. I worked my whole body, and I because of my knee and leg issues, I always felt like there was there's a lot more pain there, so I was always trying to true get it out. And but over time, I w- I think um, my body got adjusted to it, and uh, it did help directly before a workout or going into a workout but if i ever did it outside of a workout i just looking back now i don't think it did a lot for me unless i needed to do something directly after right but right so,
1: it could be yeah, or just like you know you're stiff and you need to move it's just something right. nice to get to move around
0: yes and for some people that don't foam roll and i'm talking about because i did a lot of it for people that have never foam roll don't foam or roll a lot you're gonna get some benefit you're just gonna feel exactly gonna right feel really you'll feel pretty too. good for the hour yeah, after it's literally yeah. like a massage yeah in, in a way uh but once your body gets adjusted to it It's, it's, yeah. Right, yeah. Your body's just like, oh yeah, you massaged this yesterday.
1: (laughs) You will, you will, you will accommodate very quickly if you're consistent with it. So uh, if you've never done it before, I would get like a very soft foam roller or do it on some carpet because it's going to be super painful. Then you'll notice like two weeks later, it's like, this used to hurt really bad. Now it doesn't anymore, right? You're progressing. You
0: can upgrade to the, all my foam rollers are hard foam To a PVC pipe. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much with little bumps at the end to really add in some extra pain.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So that's like one component of the prehab rehab okay. thing for me cuz i think that's important just to get prepared for a, a workout and i want to get the most out of my workout right of course. of course so that's part of that the second part is you know i've had there's so much on the other end of like is stretching works is it worth your time what's the purpose of it there's a ton of stuff out there for you know that we could ch- talk about but i personally still like to do some static stretching after a workout i'm not doing it forever oh, really? after? yeah after
0: i i i Uh, I have most of my clients do it before going into
1: a workout. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I will, too. Um, After a
0: five-minute warm-up, then about five to seven minutes of, like, three or four stretches, I think. Mostly lower body stuff so that their their lower body would be good for the workout. Yeah,
1: yeah. It is nice to kind of take it through that range of motion. Uh, Yeah, after I think after, if you do it before, if you spend too much time static stretching before you go into a, a workout, what ends up happening is you can actually decrease your capacity to generate force Hmm. because you've lengthened the mechanical structure inside of the muscle to where it's not going to generate as much tension within the muscle. That's like, that's getting really technical. Most people are not going to stretch to that point. You know what I mean? Right.
0: But I'm, I'm always, that's something I didn't know. Or if I did, I hadn't logged it away. Yeah. So if you have like an athlete, that takes stretching very serious. You may not want to have them spend a bunch of time stretching before. Exactly. It
1: would be, be more dynamic stretching. But right? for some,
0: right, more dynamic. Yeah. yeah. Um, but for some people, uh, they're probably not going to do enough stretching within their five minutes or whatever to hit that, to, to, for that to be an issue. Exactly. Most, most people if anything, 100%. it might actually help them if they don't do a lot of, do a lot of physical stretching and stuff like that. Yeah. On that, yeah. Basis.
1: That's, that's an important part of just fitness in general is flexibility. And I'll have people work with me specifically. They're like 50 years or older. They're like, dude, my flexibility is terrible. I've done nothing for 50 years. Yeah. I'm like, well, this is going to be a very slow, tedious process for you if you're cool with that. Well, yeah. All my all my
0: clients, uh, <laughs> really 60 or 70, most of my clients, 60 or 70 or above. I mean, it's slow progress. Yeah.
1: So it's, you know, it's anytime you can get, like, I'm never going to say don't stretch before yeah. a workout. Because if that's oh, the only time you're going to stretch, then just do it. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. So most of my stretching I do in, um, uh, I try to do the steam room and the sauna and sometimes the hot tub every single night at the mm, Y. Yeah. And if I can, I try to go through a series of 15 or 20 minutes in the sauna stretching. I like it. Um, and phew, it's so great. Yeah. It's yeah. So I good. mean,
1: stretching works the best when muscle temperature is, is higher. Oh, uh, so well, like that's why I do it in there. Yeah.
0: Because my body stays. I mean, that's actually one of the things with my knee recovery that if you have, I would say, if you have access to a sauna I, I'm, and if you, even if you don't like it. Go do it every day, stretch in there, and you'll start to feel your, your... You can make your body feel better by just doing that, or hot yoga. 100%. Hot yoga. Have you done hot yoga? I haven't, but I've really? heard good things. We're going to do hot yoga together. Yeah. <laughs> you come do some hot yoga with me? I'll try it out. Yeah. 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 It, it's it's awesome and horrible at the same time.
1: Right. Yeah. See what you're made of. <laughs> exactly.
0: But yeah, but go on about the recovery, because I was just really interesting listening. About yeah,
1: it. yeah. So I think another important part of the recovery process is muscle activation outside of a workout. Okay. You know what I mean? So... Because part of what is what is muscle tone, I think that word gets thrown out a lot. It's like, well, I want to tone up. So you, you basically want your muscles to look like more lean and more cut, right? But the actual term muscle tone, are you familiar with any of that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's basically the the neurological component of saying, hey, your I'm brain. Oh, not like this, but this, I, yeah, is, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is like the real physiological, like this is what tone is. Okay. It's a nervous system component to where it's like your brain is talking to that muscle to say, hey, you need to be engaged. So it's like preparedness of for engagement, right? Has nothing to do with like how cut you are, <laughs> right? So sometimes it, muscles can be overly talked to from the brain, right? There's just too much engagement, and sometimes that can come off as like, you know, you get that, that upper trap. It's just like, man, it's just like it's always there. It's like tight, never wants to turn off. It's like, well, you probably have been sitting with your shoulders up, stressed out at your desk for five hours, and now your shoulders think they have to work all day long. You know what I mean? So that like, there's too much tone in those muscles. Oh, so I I found that like. Very specific targeted muscle activation movements that could be like you know just for example like hip circles, quadruped position, dog peas, glute bridges, that kind of stuff. Dog peas. Dog peas. I, I call, call it fire, fire hydrants. Fire, yeah, yeah dog. I call them dog. I'm still old school. They're dog, dog. pees. Is that what they were called back in the day? I, I Someone <laughs> finally was like, "This
0: isn't PC." Yeah. Uh, fire hydrants. It's a dog Can we pee. go? Yeah. It <laughs> won't. Fire hydrants won't be PC. Don't. You can't disrespect a fire hydrant like that. You can't.
1: You know, dogs <laughs> pee everywhere too, not just fire hydrants. Oh my god. Um, but yeah, so those things in my opinion, if you do them consistently, can tell the brain, like, this is what proper engagement looks like. They don't always have to be turned on. Because I found that when they're always turned on and chronically turned on, through that that nervous system pathway we talked about before, then that's where, like, tightness, additional tightness can come from. That's where, like, soreness and pain can come from. So it doesn't really look like, you know, the term recovery. But in my opinion, if you're doing those things on a regular basis, then you're going to be more prepared to work out, and you're going to get more benefit from that workout. So
0: there are just there are things that aren't necessarily directly recovery, but things that you feel the need that help with recovery. Exactly. That you can be doing. Yes, like
1: it's this. not like because most people I think when they think recovery, it's like, well, am I resting, rising Am I resting? Right. Am I getting heat exposure? Like, am I taking cold? But so much more than that, too. Yeah. For me, that's there's stuff that you can do anywhere any point in time that's going to help you be more yeah. prepared you know what i mean that helps you feel better because that's the goal for me like and we mentioned before like i think you and i talked yeah, about this previously. yeah of course i it's mean at like, the
0: end of the day i don't want to wake up and feel crappy every day right i, I want
1: sometimes i want to feel sore but i want to be like right. this is that's a good there's and a and difference between and a if good that sore.
0: balance is going to work out twice a week and eating pretty healthy and and, and you feel like you're fit and, and you feel good i mean maybe that's what it is mm-hmm. but it's figuring out whatever that balance is or well, oh, I guess we talked in the last podcast, there is no such thing as balance. Yeah. But what balance means to you, right? I think, is more or less, you know, yes, you're right. There is no real balance in the world. But there is a level of balance that you compromise with yourself. I'm like, okay, this is pretty balanced. I'm okay with this. Yeah, right. Um, and
1: sometimes two days a week of structured yeah. workout is good. Is a, That's a great and goal if, for people. And if
0: we go with the Bob Tome uh, program, mm. you know, you do machines as hard as you can, twice a week for 30 minutes, you eat fairly healthy. And uh, you'll be good to go. Yeah, and in many aspects, I would agree with that. So his thing is that uh, you need more than, uh, as far as act like active, active recovery, he thinks working out's the most that your body should push from mm-hmm. no more than thirty minutes at a time. Uh, but that thirty minutes better be one hundred and ten percent. Exactly. You know, what I mean, there's no there's no cut in the corners. So right. You really got to give it. And then he thinks recovery the rest of the time.
1: Yeah, I think it's a good approach. If if, if the person's physiology has adapted enough to be able to maintain withstand that kind of right of of a stimulus. Well,
0: and the good thing is that he has 45, uh, I can't remember, but it's it's 2000 square feet of machines. Mm-hmm. So he constantly every 6 to 8 weeks he changes up so that the body never like you like we talked about. Yep. He, he uh, I mean, you'll and you'll find this out with any personal trainer. Most personal trainers out there um, y- you it's probably not the best idea to do the same program for 12 months out of the year. Like, mm-hmm. I definitely agree change it up, make your body think, you know, even if it's a rep count change or. Yeah. Or velocity of how, right. how fast you're pressing it or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Time under tension. Yep. So that's his other thing with the machines is that it's uh, instead of doing reps, he does as slow as possible there and back. I think it's really six seconds in, six seconds out. Mm, so it's all about time under tension. Uh, if you make it to a minute or less, you got to actually go down next, next. And he usually goes in increments of like, it seems like a pound and a half to like five pounds I mean, mm-hmm. depending on where you're at. Um, But if you hit a minute and a half, then you get to, from a minute to a minute and a half, you get to stay at that weight next week. Mm -hmm. Um, And if it makes it from a minute and a half to two minutes, then you go up next week. So my objective is to hit the minute, the 130 to two minute. And I try to get to two minutes if I can. So That sounds brutal.
1: That's (laughs) the great thing about fitness. It's like you can do that approach or you can press it as fast as you possibly can. Yeah. And still get like a very similar result. Yes, but there's, you, can. you know, it's it's all about right. a, a balance. The word, There's that word again. Yes, exactly. <laughs> of like being consistent, but also having. Right. right. So you, you just change. bring the weight way up. Yeah. You bring the weight up even higher if you're moving a little bit quicker. It, well, yeah, because I'm, I'm assuming it's six second concentric. Yeah, so it's that not a lot of weight. consistent. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. So I think like leg press, Um, I'm doing 360, 370, somewhere around there would be my guess. So yeah not, not a ton of weight, but you do that for two minutes straight super slow yeah yeah not a ton of weight relative to I'm walking you can funny. Do. yeah right so yeah. Uh, the worst thing he makes us makes me do is the uh, abduction and adduction mm. a B and a d adduction yep. uh, because those muscles are just, they're strong, but they're not. They're not anywhere nearly as strong as the rest of mine. So every week after doing it, at least the last couple of weeks, I've just been sore. I'm sure you. I have still been. feel it in my. I, we did. We worked out like, almost a full week. No, wait a minute. We worked out late last week, so we worked out like five days ago, and my legs are still sore. Still feeling that. it. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> um, so what do you, uh, what do you do for recovery personally, like far as active recovery? I mean, yeah. Like, do you shoot for X amount of sleep? Uh, not not this much caffeine. Finish eating by this? Like what are some things that, that you find work for, for you? That's
1: a, that's a great question. Um, so I'm, I work towards consistency with a lot of that stuff you mentioned. So like I am I try and be as consistent as I possibly can with with sleep and wake times. I think that's super important. Um, what you'll find if you ever dive into that circadian code book <laughs> is that when you break away from that, you, you essentially feel what's called social jet lag. And to where like, hey, like on the weekend, I'm gonna stay up until one o'clock when I normally go to bed at eleven or ten, right? You essentially have gone ahead two time zones or three time zones, right? right? And you, we all know how crappy you feel. Oh yeah. When you do that, so you you know that's that's the social jet lag component, and that essentially is not. It's it's, it's kind of frowned upon in terms of your physiology. <laughs> right. So sleeping cycles for me is important. So I try to get to bed as in and, and wake up. Can, no matter what day of the week it is, same time every day. Right, right. Obviously, we're all humans and that doesn't happen, but majority of that happens. Oh, and sometimes
0: you just want to stay up late.
1: Yeah, right? You want to see friends or whatever. Um, I'm a huge proponent. I usually drink a little bit of salted water. It's usually maybe just under a liter every morning before I eat or drink anything. Salted water? Salted water. Now, do you do Himalayan sea salt? I do. Okay. Yep. Um, and then I'll eat uh, my breakfast and then coffee after. Um and for me, I've I run the hottest in the morning. That's just kind of my natural right um, metabolism. So I usually eat like I don't know twelve hundred calories in the morning. And oh, I'm, wow, I'm only okay. one hundred and fifty pound person, so that's you know. It's, I
0: like a big I like a big morning personally. Yeah, not to feel like bloated full, but to to feel like full because usually I'm I'm going and sometimes I might not hit lunch right when I want to. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah.
1: So it's that's for me that works
0: great cuz okay. I c- I could work out like a half hour after that. I'm just you know that's okay. just
1: I, I'm just conditioned to that because I've done it for so long, you know what I mean? Um and then I like to be very consistent when the time that I work out. I found that to be very important with just like the way in which your brain works, the way in which you're metabolizing so food. So do you try
0: to eat the or try to try to eat the, do you try to work out at about the same time every day? I do. Again? And yep. what time is that? I eat probably
1: like 8:30 in the morning. In the morning, really. Yep. Well, yeah. I'm not, sorry. not everybody has our luxury to you miss your workout this oh you could <laughs> not everybody has that luxury of like that time, but I think if you find a time that does work for you, you can kind of you know f- progress your physiology to adapt right. to that
0: yeah, and if uh the time that you have doesn't work and you're able to move your schedule around and play with some other times, yep. I don't know what you do for work out there, but if you can, it may behoove you to. To try to go in to work later and try to work out earlier in the morning, if exactly. You can. And right. you know, because I think a lot of retail jobs out there, they'll work with you on your schedule. So if you find that working out in the morning is better or working out in the evening is better, and they're willing to work with you, and working out's important,
1: try. I it. go for it for sure. Yeah, um, I found I, I do like intermittent fasting, but not to the extent of like the eight-hour eating window that most people have done. It's not.
0: I just forget to eat. But yeah. I call it intermittent fasting.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it is. It all really is because you're fasting when you sleep. So everybody intermittent fast. That term just gets thrown around a lot because the media loves to talk about it. Yes. Um, but, well, it's also
0: an easy way to, to talk to people and have them understand what you're talking about. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, yeah, I know that.
1: Yeah, right. Um, so most of like, the previous studies have been involved around an eight-hour eating window. I found that to not be sustainable long-term. It works great if you're like, I have a three-month weight loss phase I want to try and do. You can probably grind through that. But you're yeah. not going to want to do it forever. Some people can, but most can't. The research will really tell you like anywhere between eight and 12 hours of a eating window. The benefits you get from that are very similar. Right. So I like to do it like a 10 and a half to 11 hour eating window. Okay. My first meal of the day is usually six 30 in the morning. My last meal of the day is usually five thirty PM in the day. Ooh, that's hard. Right. But I go to bed at eight 30 or nine. Okay. So people, <laughs>
0: people still want to be snacking. even yeah, I.
1: they do. But, but when you, when you turn the kitchen on, when the kitchen doesn't want to be on, that affects sleep cycles, brain waves. Yes, uh, you know it's going to affect um, secretion of certain hormones at nighttime. Right. So what I'm hearing is a very strict
0: routine. I don't, you I don't call least. it strict. Well, okay, not strict, but you've you've come up with a routine that the the stricter you can be to it without it getting in the way of certain things, I'm yeah. sure the better, right? Because right. you found that the better you stick to this routine that we're going through right now, the better you function so the better you can keep to the routine. 100%, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's, it's almost and, its own cycle. Yeah, right?
1: and when you break away from it, you realize how crappy you feel immediately. Right. So it's like, well, then it becomes right. so much easier well, to be on that.
0: And I think a lot of people feel like they don't want to feel like they're like, oh, I've got to do this because it's on my, like, I know I feel better when I do this. And and so that uh, it's getting, getting in that mindset like, I want to do this mm-hmm. because I'm going to feel better. Because there are going to be certain things in your routine some days that you're like, I don't want to do this. Yeah. Time. But you know that if you don't do it, or you don't do it, and then and you feel crappy. Yeah, but that was my so, decision not to do it, so then I'm right, okay with it. but you're, you know, so even though you didn't do it to maybe feel better, you still feel crappy because you didn't do it, so you should have just done it, and you probably would have felt better. Yeah. And so, you know. Yeah, right. The, that's the cycle within.
1: Yeah, so even things like, you know, most of my clients would be like, well, all the trainers I've worked with say, you can't, I'm, I can't drink any alcohol. You know, it's like, and and then I was like, well, how long did you work with that person? They're like, not very long. You know, it's like. <laughs> <laughs> they're being so they're omitting some things that like do we need to omit those things right you know it's like so i never tell anybody you can't drink anything right i mean you can you can you it's always
0: your choice to drink something right but don't expect certain results to happen right and then then depending on if what degree or what license you have you i don't think technically certain people you might be able to but i can't i couldn't tell someone technically like you can't drink soda mm-hmm. because that's a dietitian's job, not a nutrition. What right. I can do is I can make a suggestion and explain why I think a soda exactly. would be bad, but you have to make that yeah. decision.
1: And I think that's the best approach anyway because yeah. when you start, when you sit there and tell someone point blank this is what you need to do, that person's not well, going to do that.
0: And they're coming to me for more and probably you in most aspects of fitness in the aspect of fitness and uh, accountability. Mm-hmm. And then I offer nutrition, but I don't push it. I'm just like, hey, this is here. I make everybody do a food book. I go over what I think is good and bad in their diet. And then I'm like, this is part of your package, but you don't have to use it. Right. I'm not going to push it upon you because I know it's hard enough just getting here and working out with 100%. me. 100%. Let's not talk about food till you're ready. But I've had a couple clients that have slowly made changes as they've gotten more comfortable with me. And I have one client that's been with me six months, and he's a completely different person. I mean, he's lost almost 30 pounds, and you'd be he's 66, and you'd be surprised what this, guy, what this guy can do at 66. I mean, he's very, like, I have him do these hit workouts, and he just destroys them. We, he did 60 push-ups the first time. Uh, throughout the throughout the course of his workout last week. Wow, that's incredible. Which know. he couldn't do five at, at first. Now he can do 60. He does sets of 15 to 20, but still, yeah. he couldn't do that. Yeah,
1: but I think your approach was was dead on, and some people don't like to employ this approach because it doesn't have that like glitz right. factor to it for the person approaching right. you, but anything that you done, you're, you're layering on challenges. When you want to do 10 challenges with some somebody, like not challenges is a challenge, but you want this person to make 10 choices for themselves. Right. You can't give them all 10 options at once. I'm gonna start with the easiest one. Let's see you'll how long it takes them. To do. Exactly, right. So you probably did a great job of like,
0: or you'll stretch them out to where they're trying to do it all, and they physically, you
1: know, this is just not sustainable right now. Exactly, and then they, they drop off, and then they they right. try something else and never work. So it's like, that's where we go back to the beginning. It's like the slower you can implement some of these things, and the slower you make changes, all of a sudden this dude's doing 60 right. push-ups that couldn't do five.
0: Also, if if you really think your client's serious about weight loss or whatever their goals are you have to implore to them this is not happening o- overnight like they have to have it in their head they're going to be with you for 6 months a year 2 years because that's really the time frame it takes to make these changes properly yeah um and and that's if like it's 6 months to a year that's if someone just like all of a sudden changes everything like a lot of these progressions take years upon years to get there so think more i mean short term is important but also think long term and like how am i going to get this person to this point and if you make if you try to make him do too much short term it's going to affect the it can affect the long term 100%. Um so one of the things that he loves is he loves cookies. <laughs> and and he still eats his cookies, but he I don't think he eats as nearly as many cookies. I also think he feels more guilty if he eats more than he should. Like he's more conscious and he's changed small things. Like one of the biggest things that we changed is he really is doing his best to drink as much water as possible mm-hmm. throughout the day. Like yeah. he takes that really serious. Um, where I don't know if that was something he was doing before me. Right. Um, and I think he's found, you know, and and he's more conscious, like when he buys, when he gets, uh, when he goes out to eat, he might get, uh, he may not get the most unhealthy thing. He may get something that he doesn't like as much, but is, Like, still very tasty, but healthier than the other option. Right, right. So small changes, though. Small changes,
1: yeah. You know, it's like when you look at the psychology of it, it's like if you want to make one change and you want to be consistent with that and it's on your own choice to do it, that might take, like, up to three months or longer to implement one small
0: change. And you give that person 10
1: changes, it's just, like, setting them up for failure.
0: And I'd say he's uh, in the maintaining Mm -hmm. phase now. Mm -hmm. So he's officially progressed from, like, the, the training phase to, like, this is part of his life now, I would say. He's been doing it for so long that, in his mind, this is what he does every week, and uh, and it's been great for him. So. Yeah,
1: yeah. You gave him the key to realize like he did it. Now he sees the benefit of it. Now it's an yeah. easy choice for him. Well, now he's getting too strong. Yeah, you
0: know? he's, gonna, he's gonna he's gonna get the points catching up with me. <laughs> I'm gonna look bad, so I gotta have to slow him down a little bit. <laughs> That's your job as a trainer, <laughs> yeah, right. I, I've had I had a uh, you know my objective is to graduate people from me, hundred percent. I actually graduate. I think I told you like I'm all about teaching. Mm-hmm. So transparency fitness is one hundred percent about. I mean, I've had one client graduate um, when he started with me. I mean, he was physically fit. He was an ex college swimmer. However, he didn't really know much about programming and understanding like how to put things together so that he could get results. So he spent, I think, six or eight months. No, maybe close to 10 months with me. And we went through four different programs. And I explained each program to him, taught him why I liked it, why, why we were doing it. So we went through a tra- strength training phase. Uh, we went through an endurance phase. We went through a hypertrophy phase. We never did get to go through, like, ultra strength where you're doing sets of three and four, which mm-hmm. I've actually never done a 12-week phase of that because it just seems like you're going in for – You're still working out for an hour, but you're just doing really, really heavy weight reps of like, yeah, Yeah. times or whatever. And it just doesn't seem, but I do need to try it because I think it would be an interesting, uh, just to just try. I don't have most people do any programs that I haven't at least tried for 12 weeks. Like Mm -hmm. if I have you go through a strength training program, I've already done that strength training program myself. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so he went through all those programs and then, you know, I, I kept telling him, I was like, Hey, you can keep paying me but you don't need to, you're good to go. And now he's doing his own thing and he's, you know, he can build his own programs and he knows exactly what to do. That's the goal, and he right? feels super confident. Yeah. Well, yeah, that is the goal because he's told people, uh, like his mom is now, or, you know, uh, one of my clients, because he did, you know, he liked me so much that he's like, mom, you need somebody. And so again, if you do good work, it'll, it'll, it'll pay for it. Exactly.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, that's, that's, I
0: love it. But uh, we're finishing up here, cool. but we got a couple rapid fire questions. Sure. Let's for do you. it. So here we go uh online coaching or in person
1: oh man that's a tough question um i would say for the the individual living in the world now online coaching is probably more convenient for that person okay because they can work out when and where they would need to work out for me it's like the time for me to get to the gym and back would be my workout time right
0: and you could expand the business a lot more online than you can one on one yeah i mean i if but there I, is something uh, to be said about
1: yeah, I mean, for me, I would love to have my hands on people all day long, but it's just
0: not going to work out for right. my position right this now. Be a this would be a hard one. Hard, hard, rapid fire question. Who <laughs> would <for> be one on one or verse class? You know, do you like teaching a bunch of people, or do you get more out of just that one on one interaction? I like both. Yeah, fair enough. That's fair some enough. Some people love group settings; some people don't. So, uh, chicken or beef?
1: Um, I'm going to be a chicken guy.
0: Yeah, uh, chicken. Yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah. Uh, coffee or pre workout?
1: coffee yeah, yeah. 100 percent. i hate pre-workout. there's so much filler crap in the
0: pre-workouts that it makes me, me feel ill i can't even work out after a pre-workout
1: if you can't pronounce some of the names <laughs> of the top ingredients you probably shouldn't be eating it well
0: the biggest thing that, that, that that's in a uh, pre-workout that i've read is amino is it uh is it called amino acid or um oh what is it beta alanine
1: beta alanine beta alanine
0: yeah. and so i just buy that pure like because i think that's the that's what's supposed to give you those short-term uh strength gains. So I think, from my understanding, from what I did research, is by taking some of that and it's small, but it may be an extra 1 or 2% that you may be able to push through by just taking that, supposedly. So, But that's the main... That's the ingredient in pre-workout that also makes you tingle like crazy. <laughs> so it's it's not comfortable. But I do think it helps. So. Yeah, uh, Barbell or dumbbell? Um,
1: ooh, I know, right? It's a tough one. I would say if I had... Your arms say dumbbell to me. I would say... Th- <laughs> I don't know. They do look like I, don't do been many curls. By I don't do many curls. Really? Yeah. Um, I would say uh, barbell just because you can do way more. Yeah. With it. Yeah. I if I barbell. had one or the other, I
0: had would live or die with it. Well, and at the end of the day, if you want to be a prideful male, it's like, uh, what are you bench? What do you score? Yeah. You know. So if you're not doing a <laughs> deadlift, yeah. Are you? Are you even doing anything? Do you even lift? <laughs> You know, there are those guys out there. There are girls, guys guys and gals that are just like, do you even lift if you don't use a barbell? Right. Uh, Everyone does it differently. But uh, yes.
1: I would Uh, say kettlebell. If I had to do one thing, it would be kettlebells.
0: So I think Joe Rogan said that if he had like three things he could pick, the kettlebell is one of the things that he would would have. Or it might have been. He might have picked three kettlebells. Yeah. (laughs) It might have been just three three, three three different weights or something. Yep. Uh, Yeah. I mean, for the people that really know kettlebells, and I've watched a lot of videos. I know I them out, but I don't know nearly the amount of people. Uh, things that people do there's you can do an ungodly amount of stuff with a, kettlebell. a
1: lot a lot yeah i just had on this is probably outside of the scope of this k- podcast but i just had on four-time world record holder in kettlebell swings on my podcast his name is steven burkett sergeant know there's a competition sergeant major kettlebell if you want to follow him on instagram um see he here in lexington no he's out in california Really? Yeah.
0: Oh, did you do a uh, I guess a Just Zoom? Just did a Zoom. Yeah. yeah,
1: But uh, it' re- super interesting guy. He's been a Marine for 27 years, but he's like the, one of the kettlebell masters of the swing I would say. Um, so if you're into kettlebells, you'd be a guy to look at. we have po- probably already watched videos. You really have. But uh, we're going to write a book together on efficient swings and stuff like that. So I'm pretty pumped. So we're going to
0: be having you back on at least at the very yeah. least to talk about the book,
1: <laughs> talk about this could be like a year from now and this thing gets, gets published, but that's one of our goals. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah.
0: Well, Nick, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Uh, any last words, any, any shout outs, anything you want to say? Um, of course we'll pop up some social media stuff here and we'll put some links, uh, below on the, in the Facebook so that people can, or not Facebook, but YouTube, uh, so that people can go follow you. Cool. Um, so, but yeah, and, Say what you want to say right here, right now. (laughs) I
1: appreciate you for having me on, and uh, it's been a fun hour and a half or so. Um, And with that, hopefully just everybody that uh, listens to this just, you know, gets excited to to do what they love and be be active and fit, and uh, that's really the goal. Awesome. Yep. Well, thanks. Cool,
0: man. As always, guys, we'll catch you next time.